I got a billion dollar mindset, steady as a flow, navigating all my time spent, letting niggas know. Billion dollar, billion dollar. Hey yo, what is going on? Welcome to the show, Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, and I'm a parkour athlete turned real estate investor. I spent the last eight years of my life studying mindset of elite performers and applying those lessons to my own life. In my pursuit for success, I've sought out wisdom from mentors who are doing exactly what I want to do in all areas of life. So I've asked that they share their wins and losses with me, and in my search for those answers, this podcast was born. I wanted to share that valuable advice that I was receiving from successful entrepreneurs investors and world-class athletes so thank you all for tuning in this show is for free and my guests do give their precious time to be here so i do ask for something in exchange to show our thanks i ask that the price of admission be you share this if you get any value you go onto your social media you share it with your friends you share it with your family you share it with your co-workers you share it with people in the streets look my goal is to influence 1 million people to invest in themselves and to unlock their own potential and i can't do that alone all right so what's going on everybody what's up welcome into the mind i'm your host marlon johnson and today my guest is david pretty boy avgi and listen, before we even get into it, I got to give them a little bit about who you are. So I took some time to study in. Oh, right? really? So for those of you that don't know David, let me just go through some stats right now, right? David was one of the top five agents in Brooklyn in listings, right? He sold something like $100 million worth of real estate during the height of COVID. David's been working in real estate for over 12 years with firms such as Empire, Douglas Element, Keller Williams, Height Group, and Bold New York. Now David is a partner with the Mega Brokerage Avenues, Correct. which is insane, yep. and he's currently managing a mega development firm along with a real estate firm. So you have over, what, $500 million in new developments in a portfolio right now for condos? Correct, in the pipeline. Which is insane, and you're also working on some new developments of your own as Correct. well. Correct, yeah. You know, and on top of all of this, you got a pretty <laughs> sick social media following, man. With Instagram, you got a little over 50K followers, 1,800 subscribers on YouTube, and over 88,000 followers on TikTok. And right now, you are showing no signs of slowing down. So it is my pleasure in having you on the show to Such a pleasure, your entire man. story, man. Such a pleasure. Marlon, Dude. you're a brother, man. I respect you. I appreciate you. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast and pleasure to talk to you guys and uh give you guys a little bit more of kind of like a q a yeah. like yeah th- dude we're gonna be going deep so yeah like, let's go deep you know like i just got to go through a little bit of your highlight reel right which is awesome anyone that goes on your social media right. will be able to tap into that before we go further this show is all about you know looking at the success and figuring out the behind the scenes it sounds better than it feels i'm like wait what <laughs> yeah, yeah over the weekend because even like the last time we spoke you were telling me things and i was just like looking at you i was like dude that's a lot you did a lot like what was it like going through it and you were like bro it was stressful yeah there so, was a lot Let's bring it back. David before real estate, right? 12 years back, you're getting into real estate. Who's David before that? What was life like for you? David David was an emotional, uh, lost, rebel, dropout that didn't know what to do in his life. (laughs) That was me uh, over 12 years ago was... I remember I was I dropped out of high school at 14 years old, oh. and um, it was only because I was just failing and failing and failing. Not because I was failing 
because I wasn't putting in work. It was more like I'm failing because I'm not trying because I don't care because I didn't see that as the pathway. I really felt lost. I didn't know what I want to do in life and I didn't know um, how I'm supposed to get there. And I didn't think school was the thing. And then I was angry and fighting a lot and, and emotional because I, I grew up with uh, relatively uh, no money. Like it was hard times. I was always working. Even when I was uh, 12, 13, 14, I was finding side jobs. Um, and then at 14, I dropped out and I just like, I did everything and anything, man. I, I was a waiter. I was a busboy. I, I, <laughs> I literally uh, got into bartending along the way i was in moving i worked as a mover I, I went to work as an electrician assistant um anyone that needed me for the day <laughs> that can pay anything i would be there and then i like 15 years old i was like damn my back hurts i really want a career i didn't drop out uh to do nothing it wasn't like i was dropping out to sit at home and chill and relax right. it was more like i was dropping out because i just didn't see it as my pathway i wanted to go to the streets um and uh yeah it was tough man i had no money and then i saw i told my mom my back hurts i was working moving like day in day out and uh, just lifting up furniture, moving things out of the place. And I was like at a place where I'm like, ah. <laughs> so that's crazy, right? Because essentially at 14, by the way, when most people hear dropout, they assume like, okay, college, right? But like, we're talking like high school. Like high dropping school. out. Like, like high school, high school. That's young, man. And yeah. then at 14, you're getting this taste of life where you're going out and you're doing what people do for about 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that backbreaking work. And you experience it for a little bit and you're like, damn, like. I don't want this. This kind of sucks. Yeah, kind of suck. That's why I respect. Listen, first of all, like no matter who you are, what your position in, and doesn't matter where you're at in life. Like I respect the grind wholeheartedly, a hundred percent in, a hundred percent out. Like whoever you are, like I'll give you the the time of day. I have nothing but respect for every job it is. Like it's fucking tough out there. Uh, it's not easy. I've been through the grind work, and then at fifteen and a half, I got into real estate, um, and I worked. Uh, wait, wait, wait! You said fifteen and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, yo, most people like eighteen is like young getting into real estate. Eighteen is young getting half. into real estate. I'll tell you what, I I really wanted to get into real estate and learn. And my mom looked up in a few newspapers some firms that were hiring, and I went to interview for all of them. Needless to say, I didn't know that. Uh, Obviously, you have to be over 18 to work in real estate. So I'm just like, yo, I'll, I'll intern. I don't care. I don't care about money. I don't care about anything. I just want to learn this. It seems like a good career. Back in the day, I didn't even know what real estate is. I was like, what the fuck is <laughs> yeah, what is real estate? But every time I hear successful people around me talking, they're like, real estate, real estate, real estate. I'm like, it has something to do with housing. I'm like, I, I'll learn it. Um, and got into real estate. <laughs> from there I was like I, I was making no money so I still kept on the moving job here and there on the weekends uh, I started bartending in the city when I was 16 years old um, I started waitering and everything else and then I, I got licensed at a certain point and then it was really hard man it was the, the, the grind being a real estate agent was really hard and I, I'm a kid with no money and then at a certain point I met such I started dealing with clients uh, First off, obviously starting with clients in the $2,000 range. But then I got to a place where I moved brokerage to brokerage to brokerage where I got into clients that were renting $8,000, $10,000, $12,000 apartments. And I was like, 
what the fuck are they doing to qualify for these? Because you have to make 40 times the rent um, in order to qualify for this. Um, and I used to just go on meetings and appointments just to kind of connect with them to like, I don't even care about closing deals. I just was like, I was spending all my money on advertising for these expensive apartments just to meet these people because they don't know who I am. And they and like if they confirm with me a meeting, I'll set up like five, six apartments to show them. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, whatever. I'll just try getting in work over there. They're stuck with me for the next couple hours. So let me get like, like for me, it was like, let me get some analytics. And if I close the deal, wow, amazing. <laughs> See, that's really smart. I like that there was an intention set behind it, right? Because a lot of people will kind of dabble in this world, but they'll stay on the outside, which boggles my mind. It's yeah. like watching the Ferrari dealer sell Ferraris all day long. And when you ask him what he drives, he's like, <laughs> yeah, I got a Honda Pilot out there. And it's just like, oh, Really? You know, it's like you never got curious as to how these people are coming in. Hundred percent. Like I, I was like, yo, I'm making no money anyways. Like literally, yeah. my first year uh, in real estate licensed, I made like eight thousand, ten thousand dollars. Second year, twelve thousand. Third year, like fifteen thousand. Like I was making no money. So I was like, <laughs> let me just make no money. You know what I mean? Uh, but let me deal with high clientele. And then worst case, if I close one deal that year, all right, it's just like I made whatever I made last year. And I just started getting really intrigued by these people's lifestyles. You have to make 40 times the rent. So I was dealing with clients that are making anywhere from 250 all the way to like uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five million dollars a year. And I was just like, Hello, <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Can I <laughs> adopt me? <laughs> you know, and I, for, for me, even back in the day, someone that was making a hundred thousand a year was very like intimidating for me. Like, even going out with them, I felt intimidated, and uh, I was allowing them to negotiate the shit out of my commissions uh, just because I was just like. Uh, Whatever, like, give me, I just want to close the deal. And I was just like intimidated. And then I realized at a certain point, uh, my mom told me this, like, yo, if I put a million dollars in your pocket, uh, how would you, and you have a meeting versus you going broke to another meeting and you're meeting with a few millionaires. And it's like, I put you in the room with them. And the one where you're broke, you're walking in, how would you feel? I'm like <laughs> intimidated as fuck, just like I always do. And then she's like, all right, if I put a million cash in your pocket and walk you into the meeting, how would you feel? She's, I would be like, I would just be me. I would just like, I am who I am. I'm part of the gang, you know? And it's like, then she's like, all right, why don't you go with that mindset? Have that imaginary million dollars in your pocket everywhere you go. Like, and kind of like walking around with like some confidence, you know? And I was like, you know what? You're a hundred percent right. Yo, mom is a genius. Mom, mom mom's on point. Slow. Mom boosted confidence heavy because I'm a kid that grew up with nothing. Like literally, I remember like in order to get my first PlayStation, I had to save it for four years. I was, get, <laughs> I was going to karate practice twice a week, which was a luxury in my family. Like sometimes we didn't have money, so I wouldn't go to karate for a while. Um, but like every time I would go to karate practice, my mom would give me a dollar. Um, and she would give me a dollar it would be like uh, uh to go get a snack yep. at the vending machine and i would go twice a week so i would get two dollars so then at a certain point i'm like dang all right two dollars here two dollars there two dollars 52 weeks uh you know in a year <laughs> i could be making 104 dollars in savings uh so i started saving and then four years and i bought myself snacks here and there but like i saved up and four years later i bought myself with my own money a playstation because all my friends had one I really wanted one and 
I literally just was like, screw it. I'm, I'm going to save up myself and I'm going to do it. I remember that's when I was young. Mom always had like these unique ways of like putting ideas in my head, um, especially since dad was working so hard. We hardly got to see him. Like right. me, Alon, my cousin, obviously, you know him as well. Like uh, there was like days on days where we didn't see our fathers, where they were working in a factory, like manufacturing furniture. Um, and we wouldn't see them four or five days in a row. They would just sleep in the factory and get to work next 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 just trying to make the best life for us over here being immigrants coming here as immigrants um so mom changed my perspective a lot she was like a very uh um very big fi figure in my life i guess you can say um and then I just started going to meetings differently, and I didn't give a fuck if I'm closing or not. I just cared about meeting these people. See, I'm happy to hear you say that, right? Because that's something a lot of people don't recognize and don't realize, especially when they're on the outside looking in, that when you walk into the room, right, and you don't necessarily care about the result anymore, you show up and you do the work, not necessarily caring how it's going to come out of the end. Yes, you have a desire of what you want to see happen. However, you do the work because the work needs to be done and you do it to the best of your ability. You show up differently. Like you're playing yeah. the game just way differently now. 100%. And that's sick that mom planted that in your head. And it's sick that it took. You know, because like a lot yeah, of Yeah, it like, took a lot to take though. <laughs> <laughs> mom been planting. Dude, but like that's the thing. It's, it's got to be pushed in For over sure. and over 100%. and over until it sets. And then, you know, like even you having that, you showed signs of delayed gratification at a really young age by recognizing I did the same Cause, thing because I realized I'm not yeah. getting any gratification I realized like I'm not closing oh. deals anyways I suck <laughs> so it's like there was no gratification so at least let me get gratifications from meeting other iconic individuals and understanding them like like what do they do tell me a little bit about your job I started meeting like uh, financial uh, people in the finance world that are analysts, that are stock traders, that are that that are wealth managers, that are bankers, and I'm like, uh, I'm an immigrant that didn't even go to school, and I'm just like, uh, tell me more. <laughs> they didn't teach me this, and I like if high school was more of this, maybe I would have dropped out. And because uh, because it started intriguing me, and then I started like reading a lot of books and educating myself, and. Honestly, I snuck my way into college at uh, a, a catalyst because I started meeting all these people. I, I wanted to learn more and more intense that I snuck my way into college actually with Anthony. Uh, and I told him, like, if I get in, I get in. If not, not. I didn't have a GED. I didn't have nothing. And I snuck my way into college at 18 and a half, 19 years old. Um, just out of saying, like, I'm going to do college. I'm going to do, uh, um, do real estate. And I'll work on the weekends if I need to, to make ends meet. I was still like uh, bartending. Um, and I'm gonna just do it just to get ahead. Like I, I, I wanna learn more, I wanna connect more. And if I get my degree along the way, great. If I don't, it's fine. Like I don't care about my degree. And got my way in. And for me, it was kind of a joke. I was like, haha, like I didn't do school for four years, high school. Um, I saved four years of my life. I was just grinding and meeting influential uh, individuals and I and I was working and I'm in college now with all the kids that I was in high school with. And I took it seriously because I was paying for it out of my own pocket and I was literally... Uh, oh, so you actually like enrolled. I thought you were just like saying like you kind of just followed him in through the door to sat down in the back of the classroom. No, no, no. I did that twice and then I decided I'm going for it. Like after I sat down in two classes, uh, I decided I'm going for it and I signed up and uh, 
I paid for it out of my own pocket. And there was days where they were like, yo, we're cutting your classes because you didn't pay. And I was just like, I want a Queensboro community. And I'm just like, um, no, you're not. I'll find a way. And I just like took on extra jobs. Like I was managing a nightclub. I was bartending. I was waitering. I was doing real estate on the side. And I was taking all my money and I was putting it into education and school. Um, and then I was putting it right back into real estate, into advertisement in order to get some clients and potential leads. Um, and then I started becoming a delivery boy too on like, uh, uh, weekends, like I would work for a caterer that would make some food. And then on the weekends she would need, um, she would have high regard clients and she would need the food to be delivered typically to Manhattan. Um, so I would get paid like 50 bucks a delivery. Sometimes it was one or two, sometimes it was three or four. And for me that was like, Hey, I'm going to bartend anyways. So it's like, all right let me deliver the food, make 150, 200, $300. Sometimes they would tip me on top of that along the way, meet some incredible individuals. Cause I would go to the house. They would invite me in. I would talk to them. And these were like multimillionaires. And some of them were like big designers, like Isaac Mizrahi and all of them. Like, uh, they, they would be all in the world and let me make more connections. And then I'll go bartend after that and try making more connections. And if I have like an hour in between, I'll figure it out. So I was just trying to make any dollar I could and also meet as many people as I could because yep. I, I had an interest for it. And I went to school and really quick, I got into the honors roles and I got uh, like within, I think a year and a half, um, they pushed me to uh, get, like a teacher that really loved me, pushed me into getting into Baruch, into Zicklin, which is like their finance high tier program. Um, and I did, and I just said, how do I balance this out again? Cause I always had an issue with money um, and, and I still wanted to work real estate and everything else. Um, and I wasn't doing well whatsoever in real estate. And I was like 19 and a half, around 19, 19 and a half, I think when I got into Zicklin, um, and I got myself an apartment in the city. And, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, so we can't afford school, so we go get an apartment in the city. Yeah, because I just said I'll, I'll take on more jobs, and my schedule is pretty much like, I would do uh, those 7, 8 a.m. classes, and then I would do those 6, 7 p.m. classes, um, and then, so it's like early bird catches the worm and like a late night uh, after school classes. And then on top of that, in between the day, I would really, uh, at that point I was at Keller Williams. Um, I moved to Keller Williams, which was one of the big firms. Um, and I was working real estate throughout the day. And then at night I would go either waiter or bartend. Like if they needed me, like I would go bartend and whatnot and manage the nightclub on the weekends. And I was barely making it. Like <laughs> I was barely making it. I was like two months late on my rent sometimes, uh, three months late on my school payment. It is what it is. I was like, they'll break their heads. We'll figure it out. Dude, that's sick. All right. Because right here, like you're saying like, having a hard time managing the money, right? I'm thinking like, where the hell are you managing the time, man, and the energy? Well, the time and energy was there. Like, <laughs> I, I realized this, like whoever says, and I was working out every day. So whoever was saying like, you don't have the time for things, it, like there's time for anything you want. I was sleeping three, four hours a night, man. But I had a dream, I had a goal, I wanted to get there. And a lot of people I saw in the real estate industry from being in there for years, I'm still young, I'm 19, right? But I was seeing people like come in, three months don't make money, leave. Four months don't make money, leave. A year don't make money, leave. Like everyone was in and out and people were already telling me, why don't you just quit already? Like wow. I, I, it got to that point and I'm just like, uh, and I've been with, by then I was with like 
eight different firms, uh, which is crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm not quitting. I'm just trying to learn. Like I saw the end goal. I'm like, I won't make money now, but there will be that one year <laughs> where we're going to leverage <laughs> and we're going to catapult and we're going to IPO, baby. <laughs> no, but that's true, man. That staying power, it's such a drastic thing. You know, I always not tell giving people up. like, I've never started anything that I've been naturally good at. And I find same. that most people that I meet that are successful, exact same way. They just had this one thing, this one characteristic, which is staying power, right? Everyone else stopped. They just kept drudging along, <laughs> like one inch yeah. at a time. They were crawling, hands and knees, but they Bleeding, just kept sweating, going, yeah. man. I'll tell you what, man. I, I'm like, my agents are like, oh, I'm so bad at this. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, if I got to where I am today, you're outdoing me already year one. So like, don't even like, <laughs> don't even sweat it. I tell them like, Fight. Like, don't even sweat it. Like, you don't want to know what bad is. Like, I have experience. Like, when they say you're naturally talented, man, <laughs> I was like, the farthest from. It's like a four foot eleven person trying to get into the NBA. That's how me and real estate were. Oh, <laughs> it was like that bad of a correlation. But I, I was like, I was trying to. I also realized in the game, I was always trying to be like, especially my first couple of years, I was trying to mirror the greatest right. uh, in a sense of like, I was trying to dress up like them, talk like them, be like them. And then at a certain point, I stopped giving a fuck about being like them or mirroring them. Like I'll take good notes uh, that they have, but I was like, it's time to create my own personality and who David is rather than to be like what everyone else is. Uh, everyone was making like a big deal. Uh, I remember in Keller Williams when I was there, like someone got one listing for a million dollars or $800,000 and they would, their ego would come to their head and they would act like big shots. And I'm just like, I'm like, that's awesome and all, but I mean like it doesn't really relatively change who you are that you got a listing. And then I would see some of them not sell it because it's overpriced. And I'm like, what was the point of that <laughs> ego? Now you have to like walk in shame because like it didn't transpire, it didn't happen. Um, and pretty much from there, was barely making it. And then... Fam, at 20 years old, my family ran into some health issues and we weren't doing well as is. And my mom got hospitalized and so did my dad. And so many things went down. There was a few malpractice things that happened that led to um, them getting multiple surgeries and then fighting for their lives. And at a certain point, my mom even had to amputate her leg uh, to save her life um, and then there was rehab and there was obviously rehabbing to get healthy but also rehabbing mentally and emotionally and in that time my family piled on debt on debt and I piled on debt and I remember being in the hospital I didn't leave the hospital for three months I literally lived woke up every day my mom was in the ICU my dad was getting surgery some of the times as well spine surgery and hernia surgery and I remember facetiming my sister and I'm like koal like God won't cut us a break and I'm like where do we go from here she's in the hospital with my dad I'm in the hospital with my mom I'm just like and then she's like, everything will be okay. Have faith, have faith, have faith. I hung up, sat there, and said, like, I need to change. And I need to stop back into it. And then everything started coming rushing. I'm like, my dad won't be able to work. My sister won't be able to work. Uh, I have to move back in. I, this, 
how do we support the family we're piling uh, piling on that and it got to a place where it was just like wow life just got harder and I don't know what to do and I decided at that moment I need to take care of my family and I'll be there for them so I dropped out of uh, school even though I really loved being in college I was taking uh, I was taking so many courses bro that had nothing to do with anything psychology anthropology literature this I had like nine majors my <laughs> my counselor hated me she's like you're never gonna graduate at this point I'm like I'm just enjoying school uh, I like to learn about uh, different perspectives different people different literatures different it just made me feel great it made me feel more knowledgeable it made me connect to more people and I was doing great in school but it wasn't really to get a, a I didn't care about getting the diploma it just made me like connect to people um, and I dropped out I truly loved it man I truly loved college uh, as much as I wasn't a school person before I truly loved it and had to drop out and yeah, I called uh, uh, two weeks before my mom was hospitalized. My grandmother passed away, which was the closest thing to me. She also was truly an inspiration into my mindset. She was such a strong person. Never had anything, was sick with cancer for years on and uh, was always struggling. And you would never hear this woman complain. She would always try. Uh, she would always try taking people's hurt and making them feel good. She would always try to push out good energy. She would always push out love and courage and confidence. She would make every individual grandkid uh, feel significant in their own way. She had such a superpower and she seemed like such a gentle woman, but she was so powerful. You didn't feel it till she was gone, but she would have this feeling that she would make you feel and she would have this saying in Hebrew. She would, I would ask her, uh, she would be suffering, suffering. And I would ask her, how are you feeling, Grandma? And she would be like, a col tutin, which is like everything strawberries. <laughs> like beautiful and strawberries. So um, true inspiration. And this guy came, uh, one of my dad's uh, um, um, friends, in a sense, acquaintance, came to mourn with us. Uh, he came, like people were popping in. And I was just starting to talk to him about like social media and I, I was getting into social media very young. I was starting to do like real estate social media and this and I started getting uh, into the nerd of real estate. Like when was this building built? Uh, how many units are in this building? How long did it take? How much money did it cost? And I just created a real estate page based on uh, that pretty much. And then he uh, told me, why don't you come inside the office? Maybe I can figure it out because he was trying to work on the social media and I was starting to like get my role in there and I went in for an interview and he offered me like $40,000 a year for a full-time job needless to say I think the most I ever made was like 25 30 so for me that was like whoa but then again the only back of it was like I'll have to stop being an agent right now uh, which like I've been grinding forever and then when that happened, I went back to him and I told him, listen, I want 60000 a year and I'll do way more. And he's a big real estate developer. He wanted me to do condo books, tax abatements, everything. I was willing to work uh, 18 hours a day. And he told me this, I'll start you off on 50000 a year. After a month, we'll see where you are and we'll adjust you to sixty. I was like, done. And started with him. He was developing a half a billion dollars in real estate. Uh, the market was good. 
And he just threw me into the water. And I remember looking at him. I'm like, why did you ever hire me at a certain point? And I looked at him and he's like, it's sink or swim. I saw the potential in you. And he had me do the social media for the company. He had me do the tax uh, work with the tax companies and tax consulting companies for every single building. He had me work with the condo book companies and do all the condo books and filings for the buildings. Because uh, he was dealing with a lot of new development condominiums. And quickly and swiftly, I started catching on. And I started doing really good. And I started getting involved into the ma uh, project managing. And then I'm like, wait, who's selling the properties who would hire outside agents? I'm like, yo, what if we like do this together? What if like I step in also, like I don't need a lot of commission. Like I'll give, I'll hire these outside agents, but what if I step in and I help them push and then you don't have to pay more. Just I'll take a percentage of them and they can eat it up, you know? And he was like, uh, yeah, let's see how it goes. I have no problem with it. Um, and I very quickly within six months, I started managing his development firm, I started managing the projects. I started designing layouts. I started working with, uh, everything. And then I got to a point where I'm like, yo, you have a lot of condo buildings. What about rental buildings? What happens if the market collapses or something? How are you bringing in income? Cause I started seeing on some projects money was drying up and we had to get more loans and, uh, talk to investors and everything else. And he started involving me with everything, with the banks, with the lenders, with the investors. Um, and it was getting tough because Department of Buildings was working hard and we had so much overload of properties. And we some of them he bought for a high price too, thinking the market will go up and then the market started correcting a little bit. Um, and then I started telling him, yo, you need to start building up a rental portfolio. Like, And he's like, all right, I'm cool with that. Find me properties. And then I would just flip him properties. On top of working, I stopped working in the office too much. And I would come in whenever I need, be in the projects most of the days, try selling some of the properties and try finding him deals at the same time, managing everything else. Um, and I flipped him like, I remember the first year, flipped him one property, um, made 18000 on that. Uh, which was incredible. Like I never made that, like that took me a year of work to make in other places. Second year, I hit over six figures, which f for a kid my age, I was like, it's life changing. I was like, what? I was 21 years old, like 21 and a half, making over a hundred thousand a year. I was like, what? And then I just started saving up and low key, I started investing, like I got into cryptocurrency, started investing into crypto. Everyone thought I was crazy. I was putting in money that I literally put in like 40% of my savings <laughs> into crypto. After taxes, after everything, I would put in like 40%. Um, just thinking, hey, this might pop off one day. Uh, and uh, like really started doing research about it and wanted to invest more into things. And I really wanted to buy property too, but I didn't have money like that right now. So I said, okay. And the goal with crypto was I want to put in enough money that I can buy my first property with it. Um, and then the market crashed. And a lot of, a lot of his buildings got overextended. And he got into a hard place. Well, you know what? Before we get into that, right? Because I want to highlight something yeah, here, yeah. man. Because like, if people weren't paying attention and listening, like, there is a theme here with you, dude. Like, you are freaking grinding, and you are over delivering value every way, shape, and form, everywhere, right? In education for yourself, in your family, delivering and being there for your family, in showing up and working for this guy and letting him know, like, hey, look, I know this is what you want me to do. I'm going to do way more than that. Yeah. And 
it's insane because people are like, why would you give so much away? Because there's some potential to get more. Not a lot more, but more and learn more. Right. And it would just like a leverage. So I always feel like there's a job description. Like if I abide that job description, I'm a good employee. If I overdo it, I'm a good entrepreneur. And that's how I can set myself up. Like I can't become an entrepreneur just going out on the streets and doing things. Like I have to go through the grind work. I have to work for someone and learn from someone in order to get to that level. And I knew that from the start and I realized that no one's going to hand me anything and I have to impress um, and I have to do things above and beyond and I have to revolutionize and also innovate. And in the beginning, uh, I, I wasn't too intimidated talking to him about ideas because he always made me feel welcome and free. Right. But at the same time, like I also had all that experience of talking to these multimillionaires and, and everything that, and I always felt like I got my confidence up that I would just pitch him ideas and he would teach me sometimes that it's stupid, that it's not right, that it's this, that it's that. And then some things like buying investment properties is, he loved it. Genius idea. Bro, yeah. and today he owns, like I flipped him close to like 40 to 80 units um, within the past like six years. 80, I would say like in the past six years, it's closer to 80 units in uh, residential real estate that he's renting out and he's making a boatload of money off those rental properties. Right. And he's like, bro, I'm so happy like I bought these because like even in tough months, it's like the mortgage expenses, everything is being paid off and I'm making money. Right. So he's and like- it came from you deliver, like seriously, just like figuring out how to- I didn't make them. a lot of commission on them. And But you know what? That's cool because you made the connections which were more exactly. valuable and you yeah. gained the experience. Yeah, and he taught valuable. me a lot. So I told him like, like on some properties, he gave me 10,000 flat fee that I flipped him. And I know if I had the money for the down payment on the contract, I could have made 60, $100,000, but I took it. Such freaking $10,000 for me is a lot of money. But I had him do one thing with me. I'm like, teach me how you run your numbers. Teach me how you know yep. this is an amazing deal. Teach me what you put into construction. Teach me uh, what type of renters you're getting in here. Teach me that, like navigate me more. Give me more in-depth knowledge and I'll take a cut. And he was like, for him, it was like, all right, win-win. And he's like, all I have to do is teach you, done. Like he never saw me as competition. He, he always said like, if you want to do something, we'll do it together. Um, Mm, oh, awesome. and, and wrapping back up, like I was making that money, but yo, my family, uh, I had to move back home and support my family and I had to get my sister an apartment and my sister was taking care of my mom and my dad and we grew close to like a quarter million dollars in, in debt. So I still had debt while I worked for him and investing in crypto. I was just like paying all my parents' bills plus covering some of the debt. And I finally, at 23 years old, I managed to make enough money to cover all my family's debt and then continue supporting all of them. So like, it took me it took me like three years Bro. to cover that debt. That's impressive. Three years. You know, that's impressive, because that's a grind and a lot of people would have been looking at it like, I need to squeeze as much as I can, yeah. but you were able to stay calm enough and essentially ride out your emotions. And people were telling me like, it's unfair to, uh, that you have to take care of your sister or your parents, this, like I had to put my sister through school. She she went to psychology school and then I had, uh, she got her degree and then she's like, no, I want to be a designer. Like, and I told her I'll support her a hundred percent and I'll like, go do what you have a passion for. I knew how much passion, cause I wouldn't, if I didn't have a passion, I wouldn't work 18, 19 hour days. Right. I wouldn't pull all nighters just to continue working. Like, it was the passion that pushed me through. Like I was overworked for sure, but I, I didn't feel like it. It was fun for me. Uh, like on a day that I would have off, I would feel like I still need to do things. Like I really want, I was yearning for the grind. Um, so 
like people were like it's unfair i kind of saw it as a blessing like what what uh like god put me in a position that i'm so blessed that i can take care of my family where a lot of people are in tough positions and they can take care of their family i'm like at least god is providing me to take care of my family right. i saw it as actually a blessed position that i have that honor to give back a little bit to my folks that took care of me the, uh, my entire life um so i didn't see it as something bad so i would just wave those comments off and like I love it, and I and if I need to do it forever, I'll do it forever. But I always prayed in my heart that like I I want my family to support themselves, because there's this feeling in your heart when your kid supports you that I know for a fact that your parents aren't happy with. It's not a happy feeling, um, especially to independent people. And my mm -hmm. parents are very independent, and so I always prayed in my heart. I hope God gives them enough that they can support themselves, and makes me very wealthy that I can spoil them rather than support them wow that's a different perspective right there that's a different mindset right because i knew where the happiness yeah. is called. i know i i knew what can make them happy yeah they were proud of me but it also hurt them that i'm supporting them i think wow like I, you're the first person i actually i think I ever put words to that and that that was like a truth that just like rang loud and clear right so you don't necessarily want to make to support them because you recognize you're taking away their independence by doing that however you still want to make that large amount to spoil them Right, because 100%. now it's it's surplus. It's right? a gift. It's a gift, right? You're giving extra. They don't need it, and that's what makes it so nice. Where they're even able to enjoy it on a different level. That's really cool. I don't think a lot of people ever graduate to that mindset. I got to that mindset where, but when I saw them argue sometimes, like behind the scenes, like uh, uh, they didn't think I'm there, or like whatever it is, and uh, or I'm listening, or I'm in the room sleeping, and I would hear them arguing, like stop spending David's money, stop this, like it would hurt them in their heart, and they're like, no, we don't, and I would just be like, fuck, I wish I had more, so like I don't even have to worry about the money I give, so they don't even have to get into that, and then like. It would make them feel so uncomfortable by me giving them that I just started like take credit cards like don't ask me ever just use the cards because I would realize how uncomfortable it would be for them to come to me. So I give everyone in my family a credit card. And I'm like just swipe whenever you need anything and I, I'll tell you man there were times where they were swiping and I didn't have like I was like swipe or no swiping but I was like <laughs> but, but I didn't tell them and I'm just like I was ringing up debt. Uh, even though I had a good job, I was still ringing up debt because there was so much debt and the interest. Whew, credit card interest. Credit card interest is like, shit, when you have like uh, six figures in debt uh, and people are swiping like credit card interest, that's few thousand dollars a month just yeah. to pay off the interest not even pay off any of the, the of the principal that you owe so it was like it was it was it was something i was working just to, to, to leave it stagnant um and there were months but i was like yo i can't make them feel that way and i was biting my tongue and trying to fight myself and uh trying to make them feel comfortable and i'm like yo i'll just keep grinding and i'll keep growing and i'll keep investing and going from there like i was balls to the wall i didn't give like i was i was in it and at 22 and a half, I went independent. I left the guy and I told him, I'll keep selling the properties. I'll help you with all the condo books and offering plans. I'll work with the attorney generals. I'll work with your investors, but I want to go independent. I don't need a salary anymore. And that was big for me to say that. Yeah. That was big. That right now, right? Yeah. That's, that, that was big because I was like, how am I going to make money unless I close deals? 
And I started a few companies along the way that didn't pan out and I lost a lot of money. Uh, one of them I sold out and made some profit, but other other ones of them, uh, you know, got into it and that's where things got sticky. So that's when I started going to different, uh, um, there was a lot of buildings that were being foreclosed on and weren't being paid on and uh, investors that were fighting with the developer and were suing each other and wanted me out of the property. And I, I was invested in money, time, equity, sweat, uh, everything inside these properties. And I lost probably like 10, 15 buildings. And then I started putting, I started doing crazy shit, man. Like I was, I put some units in contract and they didn't want to pay me and I didn't have a hard close contract because a lot of times it would be like handshake. Yep. Yep. And that would be business. And then it's like your, your handshake is going to get fucked. So some, so then I started working on contracts, getting them signed, um, uh, protecting myself in the future. And then when cases like that start happening again man i started suing i had no money i started suing everyone i started putting in liens on everything mechanical liens on buildings i started going ham i'm like no one's fucking me and then i remember being like 24 years old getting uh getting uh emails from like 10 big shot attorneys and invest multi-million and i'm just like a broke kid like <laughs> pay, trying to pay out my debt but i was standing my ground i'm like you're not gonna fuck me on my commission you're not gonna not pay me what i invested in the property i don't care if you and the developer fought i have a signed contract that i was selling it and i put things in contract no one's fucking me over anymore and i would make them wait and wait and wait and honestly they would end up striking agreements with me because i knew as from all my experience i knew how much money they had in uh loans yep. and i knew how much taxes were on the property and not shit if i'm suing you for like if i put a lien on you for twenty thirty thousand dollars or to get paid like a fifty thousand dollar or thirty thousand dollar commission on a property i put in contract like hey that's like in the end of the day it's like i'm pausing your entire property and it's gonna cost you in one month more than that. So it's like a lot of them settled and some of them didn't settle with me all the way up to COVID. And when COVID, like wow. like till the, like a year ago and during COVID, guess what? Like courts were closed. So I knew I'm like, all right. So, and then I just, I just put more liens and prolonged some liens and did certain things. Cause I'm like, everyone was trying to fuck me. And I'm like, I'm not, uh, and here I am by myself. I didn't even get an attorney to represent me. And I would I would just like stick it through. And I remember one attorney called me on this uh, property that they took away from the developer. They sued him. And then they tried stiffing me on uh, broker fee on two apartments that I put in contract. And also I was supposed to get reimbursed um, on staging in that building. I staged a unit in that building and I paid for a staging company and the developer promised if I take a discount in my in my commission and I stage it that he will um, how do you call it reimburse me at closing I said not a problem because he was tied on money I said not a problem I'll do it like I was investing into things yeah, that weren't promised to me I put so much skin in the game and I put a lien on that and then they're like your lien isn't uh, valid and I'm like all right We'll figure it out. And then they're like, we're going to take this to court and get it dismissed in five seconds. And one of their big shot attorneys called me that actually uh, bought a unit inside the building and wanted to sell it. And I put a lien on his apartment too, that if he sells it, like... Yeah, he's got to like... Yeah. He's got to be taken care yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because he didn't pay me the commission for actually selling him the unit because I represented him on that matter. And he tried fucking me. So, uh, And I was prolonging him from selling it. Um... And I was prolonging also 
like a penthouse unit and another 1.6 million and a 2.5 million dollar unit being sold and that would have brought a lot of liquid cash into the property and i'm like it is what it is and then they're like all right we'll give you 25 percent of what you're asking i'm like no i want a hundred percent and then they're like i'm like listen i'll give you guys a discount i'll give you 90 percent, but otherwise than that i've been losing money on these properties i'm just trying to come out with some of my cash in my in my pocket from all the money i've been spending here um and the time i spent like five years on that building and then he's like i'm gonna get this dismissed i'm like you know what go for it like one of the investors cursed me out on the phone kept my cool the attorney was trying to calm situations out. And then I told him, hey. And he's like, I'm not fucking paying you shit. You're a piece of shit. You're a stupid, uh, stupid. Uh. And this invest, and by the way, this investor group was getting sued by all their investors because they made a lot of wrong plays. So they were investing all around the world. They made a lot of wrong plays. And they were, and they were just trying to like, they didn't want to pay me. Right. Principal. They didn't want to pay me even though I was right. And I did the hard work, and they just didn't want to pay me because they tried fucking me. I caught on to it, did liens, like, and they were trying to act cool, like they will pay me, and then behind my back, screw me, and last minute, and I caught on to it, and I just went that way. And then I said, and then I said, you're right, fuck me, I'm a loser, it is what it is, I guess go get my lien dismissed if it's not relevant. And I just... There we go, man. And then the attorney caught on to me, the attorney called me after, and he's like... You motherfucker. And he's like, you know the courts are closed. I'm like, yeah, but you guys are threatening me. It's fine. I guess in six months, seven months, we'll figure it out. And they're like, six, seven months, I'm losing like two, three hundred thousand dollars here. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, that sucks, right? All you owe me is like 30,000, six, seven months. Shit, that, that really sucks, losing 300,000. And he started laughing and he's like, you're a smart kid. Like, I, he's like, I'm, like, I'm their attorney and everything. He's like, you're a smart kid. And he ended up inviting me over his house and I gave him a lien waiver and he paid me. Nice. And they closed the deals and they got things done. And then. See, yo, that's the power right there of standing your ground, though. Because, like, it comes from not even necessarily, like, I wouldn't even call that luck. Someone might look and be like, yo, that's so lucky. It's like, well, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you learned, you educated yourself, you learned the nitty gritty, you learned the part of the business that is behind the curtain that everyone else usually disregards, doesn't pay attention to. But you had an understanding of, yo, they're like right there, having an understanding of the holding cost, right? Most people never look at that. And also putting your money where your mouth is. Liens cost me money. Doing this cost me money. Uh, um, at a certain point, yeah. I needed an attorney. That cost me money, but I stood my ground. And I was like, uh, I'm going to invest in things that I think I have potential in. Nevertheless, I had many investments that didn't pan out and I lost a lot. But I also started getting a name by then. I was already like selling a lot in the market. Like a lot of people started recognizing that I'm dealing with a lot of properties that are having issues being sold. There was a lot of resale properties in the market that um, certain developers were giving it to agents and agents weren't able to communicate with the tenants and then sell out the property. And then I realized like, the agents are going there just to make a commission and the, they're disregarding how the tenant feels. And I'm like, screw the commission. Maybe I can connect to the tenants, try selling it for him. But also like, I understand the situation. They don't want just random strangers coming in and out of their houses and stuff like that. So I would buy them gifts. I would talk with them. I would hang out with them. I would get them coffee in the mornings if I had a showing or whatnot. I would communicate with them. And I would always be on their side, not even like buyer side or agent side. I was always be on the tenant side. And the tenant 
gave me easy access to the apartments and through that I would connect with the buyers and I would connect with everyone else and I got these deals in contract and on top of that I sold numerous new development properties through there so my name started getting recognized and then at a certain point uh, th that's where I realized I'm gonna take my next step and during COVID when COVID started that's when I started working on everything and the way it started, it's funny, the guy I started real estate with um, had a brokerage when I was a little baby, right? <laughs> and I started working for him and I went through many brokerages, but he really taught me the ABCs really well. It was a small brokerage firm that actually grew. So anytime people wanted to get into real estate, I would understand how it doesn't matter what firm you're in, not the Douglas Elements of the world and not the Corcorans of the world. I was in all of them. Like you need a mentor in the beginning. And I realized that they give hands-on mentorship in the beginning. So I would just recommend them agents, agents, agents. Now, I had four um, properties uh, for the f around that would be like a total sellout of, uh, I would say 37, 38 units, around $40 million that this real estate broker became a developer and some of his investors were invested into those properties and he wanted to know what's going on. And I actually worked on getting all the CFOs for those buildings and I sold all of the units. So he brought me in for a meeting and I ended up getting everything sold and got all the investors money plus profit plus everything. And I helped the developer. It was a brand new developer. I helped him close up uh, 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 all the buildings and I brought all my real estate development knowledge to help him get those deals done. So I offered more than just being an agent. I offered right. also my development skills, my my department of building skills, my department of finance skills. Like I offered everything to get to get things done. And he was like impressed and he's like, yo, I'm working on a few properties. Maybe you can come this and that and like and he already grew to a firm that had like eighty agents in the city. 80, 90 agents. And then I we, I saw some of the properties and I saw commercial space and I'm like, wow, that'd be sick to do like a real estate firm over there and this and that. And then we started talking about things, getting into things. And then he was like, oh, would you want this and that? And I'm like, I wouldn't be interested unless I'm a full partner. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like I was already at a brokerage firm that uh, wasn't really making money off of me. They were using me for clout. I was using them for clout. Um, they were a big rental firm that didn't do too much new development and sales. I brought in, uh, at that point, I had over $150 million in listings on the market. Um, and I brought in a lot of new development clout to their firm. So they brokered with me a crazy deal where they're not making money on me. And they're giving me all the support in the world. And I'm just building up their firm and trying to make their agent successful. And I said, listen, like I'll take a cut and I'll take a loss and I'll start investing. But it has to make sense. And we ended up brokering an agreement and worked on it for like a year later. And here today, um, we opened up avenues and we're on our fourth brokerage right, right now. And we're building the fifth, the headquarters, which we're actually buying that space ourselves. And we're doing something revolutionary. It's like a social media marketing firm. And then brings it back to COVID. I started making a lot of money when it was COVID. Like I made a shit ton of money. I sold over a hundred million dollars in real estate and I was already in a good place. I actually started investing in property prior to COVID and my like COVID was hitting hard because I had loans on some of them. So I was starting to like 
I was making so much money from the brokerage game that I was like, I'll cover the loans, I'll cover the interest. I even bought out uh, uh, one of my investors on one of my property, uh, needed to get out because his business was struggling and he put a, a lot of his money into becoming an investor partner into a property that I found. Um, and I actually brokered a deal and bought him out cash with my own money that I made nice. through deals in order to con uh, finish up this property myself because I didn't want to just like default or give up or whatever it was. Um, and I just kept on like, I was like, yo, being an agent is amazing. Like I'm supporting my development career, even in tough times. And, but I was buying, I was buying not too much, but I was also buying like good price. Um, got through that. And then during Corona, I'm like, I always wanted to do social media. I remember, uh, before my mom was hospitalized, I bought myself, I, I saved up some money. <laughs> and I bought myself a Sony RX100 Mark III and a Gorilla Pod. And I said, I'm going to start vlogging. And I'm like, how cool would it be? Because I was living in the city. Oh, sorry. I was living in the city like I was telling you, right? So I was like, how cool would it be if I'm just like vlogging, um, touring like $10,000 apartments, million dollar apartments, um, a little bit about my life, going to the gym, being a real estate agent in New York City, living in the city, and then like bartending at night and working everything else and being at the club. And like, I was like, that would be a pretty interesting fucking vlog. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And like, YouTube wasn't big yet. And I'm like, ah, YouTube doesn't have this yet. And I started filming, but I was so uncomfortable. Yo, and then it's like, it's weird when you're and walking around the So uncomfortable, bro. Three years later, it smacked me again in the face. Like, I always wanted to do it. And I said, you know what? You're making decent money. Hire a team to do it. You feel nice. uncomfortable? It's a little bit more professional if you hire a team. And I bit the bullet, and I knew I'm not going to make money on it. And I started my social media journey. Until today, I know I'm not making money on it. But I'm, I'm, I told myself there's a three-year and a five-year plan where I don't expect to make money or monetize it for five years, but I'm going to put out knowledge. I'm going to show a little bit of my, about my life, connect with other individuals, and go from there. And, hey, man, I'm like, who the fuck would want to see me in my life? And I just put it out there, and I had a great team, like kept on going through teams. And I'm like, it, it, it's, it's another way of branding yourself and getting big out there. And I'm like, it's time to invest into that. And I knew I would be in the six-figure range year after year yep. after year. But in my head, I'm like, yo, I'm willing in the next five years to dump out like a half a million dollars into this and see where it goes. If I can help change people's lives, then it's kind of like a charity in my aspect. Even if I don't blow up, if I change some people's life and give them good knowledge and financial advice and, 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 and some good quality. And I'm like, best case, it does pop off. And then like I can... I hope in five years I can be in a place where it at least pays for itself um, or I can monetize it even at a certain point. But if I get a, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm not just a creator. I'm not making money just based off views. Like if I get a property from it or I meet a new developer or a new contact, like yep. boom, that's my money right there. So it's like pays for itself. So I saw it as like a, a potential to grow even bigger but you know what? that's awesome because it's indirect but it works right because that's how the weirdest sort of connections start happening when you put it out there into the universe right 100%. a million people get that feeling of like yo i'm doing something i should record this i should share this with the world but not everyone picks up and starts doing it right 100 because like like you said you're holding everyone call me crazy face, bro. like walking around you feel like a freaking weirdo it's just like you're out there talking 100 bro i've been so called I, it's so strange and i've been called i, I 
to reflect on one thing, I've been called crazy so many fucking times in my life. Uh, I was called crazy by even people that loved me the most, my parents. Yep. When I invested in cryptocurrency in like 2016, I was known as crazy. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you putting your money into like a coin, uh, a digital ass? Right? right? For real. me, it was a digital ass. But why are you investing into that? I was called crazy when I got into the stock market and putting up a lot of money. I was called crazy when I bought property i was called crazy when i started like investing into social media they're like what the fuck are you doing and spending your money on buy and then it was like buying a property is good go buy another property don't spend your money on social media and i was financing everything myself i never had a partner or loans or anything and then i was called crazy when i started on my brokerage and i wanted to open up a brokerage because everyone was leaving new york to miami and texas and stuff like that and i'm like oh fuck like this is the perfect time to start taking up retail space. Oh, this is the, like, it's super cheap. And like brokerages in the city were, would always be up in offices. And I'm like, yeah, because retail was so expensive. And now retail and commercial is nothing because everyone's working from home. So my partner went out and bought a place on Chelsea and opened up a retail spot over there. Then we ended up uh, getting a retail space in Williamsburg. And then we're buying and developing a, a four-unit condominium in next to the Barclays Center. And we're purchasing the... So it's five units, but with the without the commercial space, it's four units. And we're buying and developing another brokerage retail space over there and we're like we're gonna be a household name and serve uh, service the area and the cool thing about it is that a lot of brokerages are so corporate so like you walk into a real estate firm you can't talk to anyone no one will talk to you no one will give you the time of day um and the culture in the brokerages that we're building is uh is full of love, family, hustling, social media, to the point that I even hired on influencers. And nice. uh, the new firm that I'm building, it's gonna be like a social media influencer real estate office where celebrities can come in, influencers Dude. can come in. We're gonna have like a podcast room, a YouTube room, a studio shoot, because um, it's like collabing and, and getting affiliates and sponsors and this. That could be cool and it can pay for a lot of things. You can make a lot of money, get a lot of notoriety. And it's like, yo, I had an agent just started in real estate big on tiktok puts up a tiktok video twenty thousand dollar apartment rented it i haven't done a twenty thousand dollar rental to like six years into my career she did it in the first month i was like what the fuck it's crazy man because the times have changed and it's cool because it comes back to what you were saying before where like you're not trying to be like anyone else right you recognized a long time ago that you got to be in your own lane. hundred percent. Right? You got to put on your own face, show up every day how you are. hundred percent. And then ride it through and bet on yourself. hundred percent. That's freaking sick, man, because it's trend setting, right? And it makes sense. Like, because you are, like you said, the passion, like, I feel it freaking oozing out of you. Yeah. Like, it's the craziest <laughs> thing in the world where it's just like, when people meet you, like, they, I know it. They feel that genuineness. Like, they just... They appreciate literally it. get like appreciate wrapped into like this vortex of it. Likewise, you too, like, man. You've been yo, making some crap, crazy dude. moves. Dude, like it's cool though. Cause like, I'm just like, yo, this is insane. Like, I don't know if people really get to feel this through online. And like anyone, if you get a chance to meet David, like <laughs> go freaking, go physically be by him. Like you're going to feel this, this vortex, dude. Like, I love it. I love, you, I love like the way you're seeing too into the future. Like you're looking that everyone's running left. This is the perfect time to go right. You, you want to hear something crazy? Uh, before I opened up my brokerage, a company, uh, uh, my company uh, that I was working for was bought out by Com Compass. Um, and they're a big name. Big name. 
and they grandfathered everything I had inside. And when they, when I told them I'm, I'm gonna leave, they offered me some crazy, crazy, crazy thing where they're literally gonna pay me to stay, get me a private office, and on top of that, not make any, like, relatively, not make any money on my deals. And they will allow me all the growth in the world to grow a, a huge team as much as they want. 30, 40, 50 individuals are like, you can have your brokerage room within us and not, and just make money. We'll lose money on you all the time. We'll make money on your agents, but we don't care. We see the potential in you and we're going to give you this package on top of that. And I was just like, what the fuck? That's so much money. <laughs> and I was like, it's literally no expenses, no headache, no nothing. I don't have to run operations. I don't have to run legal. I don't have to pay rent. I don't have to. And I laughed and uh, I left. And I took on debt and expenses and bills and everything. And I told my partners and they're like, we, we truly uh, respect that and honor that. Like I got the same reciprocity from them. And I leave my brokerage way more money than I would have left them. And I pay so much expenses like rent, insurance, uh, brokerage license, all the agents, computers, uh, mouse pads, coffee. Like think about it, like everything and anything. Uh, electricity, it's like this uh, furniture, this, that, this. I, I, I could go on for days. <laughs> how, how much, like, obviously i'm in the minus right starting off these brokerages definitely in a big minus um but i said yeah it would have been great but i wouldn't have the struggle anymore and i wouldn't have and i wouldn't be building my own brand i would be building someone else's brand and i'll be like a figure within their brand and i just see how i can in five to ten years revolutionize this field and this world and i might be able to build up this company to a place where like hey like we're behemoths, like we can IPO yeah. or we can do something or like uh, um, we're animal and revolutionize the world. It's not really about the money because an extra like I always thought about like this. If you have 100 million in your bank account or you have 80 million or you have 72 million, you're fucking filthy rich regardless. The difference between 70, uh, 70 million and 100 million is 30 million. But the difference about having $100 million and not really being happy and content uh, compared to having $70 million and being happy and content is revolutionary. And I saw it as that route and I knew if I can become happy at $70 million in a sense, yep. I can uh, outdo $100 million 10 times over with just like my energy and feels and everything. I can double that. Um, so it's investing into the long term and like I never... I, I don't know what it's like not to be in a stressful situation because I grew up in such a stressful situation where we had no money for food. I remember sometimes I would go to the office and I would be dressed up in a suit and a poor guy would ask me for money and we would see like $10 in his cup and I'm like, fuck, my bank account is like 25 cents in my bank account. <laughs> and I'm like, I have less than a dollar on me. I have like change so I can buy myself uh, a, a water if I get thirsty. I, I have no money to eat, so I'm not gonna eat for 16 hours. And I, can, I had no credit cards, and I'm like, I can buy myself maybe a water or something, you know, or like a snack bar if I need to and drink out of the fountain or whatever it is. Like, that's all I had on me, and I would, I, and my mom always said, give at all times, because when yep. you give, you can get. And that's like a big part of me, I would always give, but I always knew struggle. So like, when even things get easy, it's like, People are like, oh, why do you, because I'm like, motion creates motion, keep investing. So like, I have some money, okay, property. I have some more money, okay, another brokerage. I have some more money, okay, stock, uh, crypto. Like, whatever it is, like, let me roll that in, business, this, that. Like, fuck it, if I don't try now, like, what happens when I'm married and I'm 40 years old and I have kids and like, life is a little bit like, you're scared to take more risk. It's like, this is the time for me to go broke 10 times over. 
Dude, that's crazy, because right now you're talking about essentially the principle of playing the game to win. And I love that. Like, dude, you, I, we got to, like, re-highlight a couple things like you said here, man. First off, you put value. You placed value on the struggle, right? Most people would say, like, okay, like, I understand where you're coming from, right? You know, you want to be able to do this. But you said, no, like, I lived in the struggle, and you recognize what it did for you. Most people are trying to run away from it. Like, if you took this deal, you were worried that, whoa, whoa, they might take the struggle away from me. They might take the chip off my shoulder almost. And also, sense. I won't build something that's mine. I'll build right, them up equity. and me within them. And I felt like long-term, that's not where I want to be. Right. And on top of like something that you said, it's like I learned in life that if you want different results, you have to do different things. Like nope. if you keep doing the same things, you'll never get a different result. It's and I learned also that where comfort isn't found, that's where growth is found. So when you put yourself outside your comfort zone, that's when you can grow because when you struggle in uncomfortable situations, you can gain a lot more knowledge and grow yourself. So it's like I was used to it. And and I honestly, I have a little sadistic thing inside of me where it's like, like right now, like it's tough, right? Like with starting these new businesses and everything, like we're minus, 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 minus. Whoever thinks it's profitable off the bat, it's not. Um, and money is being, <laughs> it's, uh, <Yeah>. it's gone. <laughs> and it's like, but like sadistically, I fucking enjoy seeing some of my bank accounts at zero now. Like th there's bank accounts that had a lot of money in them that are like at zero right now. And I enjoy it. Cause I'm just like, Ooh, let's get it. <laughs> what can, it it's either good or bad. Yeah, and it it's like, you against the wall. Exactly. And I'm just like bobbing and weaving yeah. and like trying to get through it. And a lot of people don't realize like that's the only place you actually do tap into that part of yourself. Like there's a part of you that turns on. Yeah. Right? Like, cause I used to do it in parkour. It's flight it's or fright like, mode. Yeah. It's just like when you have no other option, yeah. it's do or die. Like you will figure it out or you're going to die. So either way, you're either and you can't tap happen no way tapping out. if you're dead you, you're not gonna be upset about it exactly dead. and that's my thing i'll die like i'll have that do or die mentality but there's no middle tapping out right like you can't tap out don't feel sorry for yourself keep moving like we're blessed and i always see how blessed we are and i have this thing about me too like i love to donate minimum 10 percent of everything i made i think we talked yeah, about it and that's something that, that yep. we connected but i have this other idea of like it's like in, in my Bible, it says, like, just to go back on what we talked about, like, it says, donate 10%. And that's, like, something that God wants you to do. It's called maser in Hebrew. And it's, like, and I, I used to struggle with that. And then I realized, like, yo, I'm investing with random strangers, people that have no, like, love for me or don't even care about me if I disappear off this the face of the earth. But I'm not willing to invest with God 10%. Um, and I'm like, God created me, cares for me. Like every second of the day, he's taking care that I can breathe air in, that I can have function. Like he's thinking of me every millisecond of the day. Uh, and I'm like, I'm not going to invest with him. And I started investing and like investing as in donating 10% of my income. And then we have this second structure where I wanted to make it more uncomfortable for me, where it's like, all right. That's given inside our Bible, but it also says in our Bible, give tzedakah, give charity. So don't only donate 10% of your salary, give charity. And that's something you do out of your heart that it's not like, it's not like a must, but it's more like a, an, a, addition too. an addition or like a nice gesture. And I started doing that as well. And 
I've realized the more that I give is the more that I get. And God put me in many challenges in my life where he tested me. Like, are you going to give? Are you going to? It's tough times right now. Well, what do you think? And I gave it. And out of nowhere, I got. So it was like, that's why like in the morning, you would see me like strap this on. And like I came to the office prior to doing the podcast. I just had to say a little prayer to God. And it's like. Just Yo, like, thank I you for life, thank that. you for everything. Yeah, man, because it's starting with that gratitude, and that's something that I have as a company culture, like with my assistant, every day we get on, we do our daily huddle, and we do attitude of gratitude every single day, and what's yeah, awesome man. about your life in the Keeps last Keeps you so humble, hours. too, and grounded. Yeah. And I tell them, like, yo, you can't tell me what's amazing about your life in the last 24 hours. Either you're dead, or there's something seriously messed up, messed and up. in which case, we're not working today. We're figuring this out, because people are important first. There's so poor the people without food, without, without, yeah. without water, without... We are so blessed just to be living in America right now, where there's people that are it's living in lottery. situations where they don't... They, they, even if they have the grind and the struggle, they don't have the opportunity. Exactly. So it's like, they are so, so... There's, like, in order to succeed, it will be so much tougher, because, like... The nearest job is 10 mile walk. The nearest this is like that. It's like, how do you even get out of those situations? And I take my hat off to those people. And it's like, I, I really respect those people. And it's like, who the fuck am I to complain? So I check myself all the time. I'll be like, shut the fuck up, David. And I would humble myself all the time. And I'm a kid that made no money. So when I made a little bit of money, I wanted to spend to make myself feel good. Buy things that I never had before. Nice shoes, nice this, nice that. <laughs> Guess what? Didn't make me happy. Made me happy for a few days. I wasn't happy after that. Then I realized it's not even my style. I like a cheap black t-shirt. Dude, it looks dude, it's crazy because like that was the thing. When I sat down and actually met with you, because like Alan showed me your like your Instagram beforehand, so like I've seen of you beforehand, but then meeting you, I'm just like, yo, this guy is like the most down the freaking earth dude. I've met, like, and I meet a lot of people. I know a lot of great people. I pride myself on only surrounding myself with quality people. You are up there, bro. You are God. quality. Because, like, it comes from so Getting up so there. <laughs> Dude, like, seriously, like, you're, thank like, you, you're living you, your true self, thank right? You. you step into a space, you make people feel important, you make people feel acknowledged, and then you give of yourself in so many ways. Time, energy, effort, your true opinions, and then you also have this amazing ability to be tactful with how you communicate. Thank with you. With just, it's like a nice bundle, dude. And it's something that, it doesn't just happen. It's worked at, it's crafted at. Anyone can recognize, like, yo, he spent a lot of time working on himself so that he can come back to provide more value. I appreciate it. And I see it, I see the same thing in you. That's why, like, I, I think the first time we met, we vibed connected we just had like a three hour conversation like <laughs> rampage you know what I mean it was just like for three hours in a row and I, it was just like it was just feeling that same energy feeling someone that's like genuine and hardworking and like really strive to do something with himself and you had that click we talked about that click moment mentally where you shifted everything and then I'm like I relate to that and I'm like I get clicks all the time so I should. I'm like seizing up uh, but it's like uh, it was it was so admirable um, um, to hear of that and then I realized ego is nothing ego kills everything ego kills relationships ego kills everything and I had to struggle with that to learn like I'm a kid that came from nothing so I never got no one ever looked up to me no one ever cared about me no one ever uh, gave me anything I was bullied as a little kid so obviously making a little bit of money it gives you a little bit of an ego and then I realized that I hated myself with that so really quick I started checking myself and working on myself and today to the point where like 
like I'll sit down with anyone and talk with them. I have time for everyone. I, I have respect for everyone. I, I, you can't forget where you came from. And I see it as such a blessing that God didn't raise me up with a rich, wealthy family because I wouldn't have learned these lessons. I wouldn't be where I'm at. And, and maybe I would have had money, but like I could have lost that money. And then I wouldn't know how to come back up and I wouldn't be happy with myself. I'm generally happy with who I am. I'm never satisfied, but I'm always proud. Nice. So it's like, I'm not satisfied of where I'm at right now because I want to strive for more and have more goals, but I'm always proud of what I achieved and I'm thankful for what I achieved. So it's like, thank God everything else is a plus. That's why I pray in the morning and after I leave the house, I'm, I'm like, I'm alive. <laughs> everything else is a plus. I get a ticket, thank God I'm alive to get a ticket. I get it. It's a bonus, you know what I mean? man. Today's it's a bonus. 24 hours it's is a what bonus. it is. So, bonus. Listen, I want to respect your time because we can talk forever. <laughs> so I got two questions, two final questions. Hey, I always like to wrap up every interview. First off, I'm a huge reader. I know you're a huge reader. I literally watched you get like 12 books. 12 books with you? Yeah, you and guys like, recommend that. I'm like, give me them all. <laughs> yeah. So I would ask, and you already told me one of them, so I'm not going to let you use it because you already used... Um, Outwitting the devil, outwitting which the I'm devil. actually re-listening to right when, now. When Napoleon Hill, freaking amazing. One of my favorite books like, ever. That was a, that was a snap that. book for me. Like yeah. you know, a snap moment. That book gave me a snap. It pulls you in. Like no matter what, you can't listen to that and not be like, yeah. Truth resonates. Like truth hits you at the level of the soul. It's like music. Like good music just like captures you. Truth captures you. Hundred percent. Takes you, shakes you up, and it places you right back. Very true. So it's like outwitting the devil is that book. So now, outside of that book, can you name two other books that were just total paradigm shifts? I mean, you heard these books, you listened to them, you read them, and you have not quite been the same since. So actually, I wanted to let you know, last week you guys recommended me a book. Is it The Go-Giver? The Go-Giver. Freaking awesome. I finished it. Yo, it's an amazing book. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Short, to the point, the way they tell the story... Is so incredible and you learn that like it's never about you it's about how to make someone else happy it's how to give someone else thing and, and I was always like and and it just like gave me chills and goosebumps and I'm getting it right now because it's like it, it like solidifies like how I felt about donation and charity and giving back that God will give me ten times over and it's like it's really true when you like I'm getting chills just talking right now like I'm sure shaking up and it's like when you give back, it's like that was what all the book is about, and it has nothing to do with like my Bible or any or, or or religion or anything. This book had nothing to do with religion. It was just the act of putting out someone else's feelings and putting out someone else's goals in front of you and giving back and really realizing that really shifted the the success um, of someone. And uh, I. I Wow, uh, it was wow. But like another incredible book that that shifted me was Never Split the Difference by oh, Chris Voss. Yeah. Man, that, that book was awesome. Uh, the Alchemist, even though it has nothing to do. Uh, that book I is my, book, it's my all-time favorite. I feel, I felt like, I, I felt like that's me as a little kid. Like I would run everywhere and I wouldn't realize the gold is exactly where I'm at. And it's realizing to accept and love yourself. And that's, that's true love within yourself. And I think that book is insane. Like, it's... Hey, listen. <laughs> it's not master of the game. It's not think and grow rich. It's not... It's insane in its own perspective. Um, 
And Rich Dad Poor Dad was an incredible book that I reread like three or four times, and it's definitely hit. Outwitting the Devil, The Go Giver. Man, there's so much amazing books, and I can't read through all the books you guys recommended me mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but I would say those books are like... Uh, yeah, we're going to have to start like a, like a book club or like just like a, hell a yeah. David's reading list, you know, like so people could go through it because, yo, these books we, make we, a difference. Yeah, I mean, like, like you, you, it could be all our reading list, not just uh, David's. It could be our book club because you guys read, like you and Alon and, and, and everyone else that we surround ourselves with, with read so many incredible books that you guys also recommended me like 12 books the other yeah, night. Yeah, I was I'm just like, bye. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Listen, I heard uh, Jim Rohn, he said, leaders are readers, right? He said, you got to be a reader. You got to be a studier. And I was like, okay, that makes perfect sense. You know, I realized this. Sometimes I go on binges of reading and then I go on binges of not reading. Reading inspires me and opens up my mind and makes me feel like more in tune with my brain and my way of thinking that I get more creative. And then when I don't read, I feel like less in tune with that. So it's harder for me to get creative. Because it gives me less ideas. But like when you read and you really listen and hear it, it makes you like it opens up different outlets in your mind. It makes you like tick, 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 tick. you start touching things. It's like you want to hear something. Your funny? neurons are shooting. So this morning when I was doing like the attitude of gratitude with uh, my assistant, as I was telling her like the thing I was grateful for, I said, "Listen, last night I was like I couldn't really go to sleep, so I ended up staying up and just doing some studying. Right, I was studying some uh, like old Jim Rohn videos and things of that nature." And I'm taking notes, right? So it's not just active in the background. I was uh, very active. I'm sitting there taking notes, taking pages of notes, rereading my notes. And, like, I literally, like, passed out doing this. Like, just exhausted. Woke up this morning, and I felt great. Like, I woke up, like, a shot of coffee was just, like, going through my bloodstream. And I was like, why do I feel so good right now? It's like, that's right. Like, I went to sleep with all this information in my mind. I went to sleep with all this positive. And it was just replaying over and over in my subconscious mind while I was asleep. And I was just ready and wired to go. So it's like you're saying, like, you take that information in, and it's just pumping through you. Different parts of my brain were connecting. Different ideas were coming up. You become like, a better person. You yeah. get more ideas. You, you uh, critically analyze uh, positions you're in better. Uh, you get more perspectives. And it opens you up to so many different places. And I remember we talked about it and like, sometimes it's good to stop reading also, like going binges of reading. It's like, if you're just reading and not applying it to your life, like we were thinking like, is it bad that we stop for a month or two months to read books? And it's actually like not, cause if you're actually hearing things and you're learning lessons, it's okay. Like you have to take those lessons. Like how much lessons can you actually apply in one shot in your life? It's like, take them, apply them, work it out, make it a trade, replace it with a bad trade, put in a good trade, and then continue your, your, your growth. Like you can't just like, constantly be because if you're constantly just learning 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 and you're not applying it to your life then see i used to tell people this right i had this thing right it was like a little circle a diagram i used to draw and i was like here's you're taking information right so you're consuming right so now that you've consumed the information it's gotten into your system right you now need to digest this information right so there's time for it to digest right and then most people go consume digest and then they go right back up to consume again, right? Consume, digest, consume, digest. It's like, wait, after you digest it, what do your body have to do? You have to use the information, right? Cause it's like taking energy in. You now need to go spend the energy, go work, go build, go do something. So now you've got to come over here and you've got to build, right? So then most people like figure that part out and they're like, oh, okay, cool. Consume, digest, build. Consume, digest, build. And they think 
great, now I've completed the loop. Like, no, 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 it's a circle we gotta make. Like, this is still just like a half circle. Like, where do we go from here? Consume, digest, build, and then create, right? Or plant, or put back out into the world, put back create out Create so universe. many different branches. Exactly, so okay. now you've really completed the cycle, because now that you've created, where are you consuming from? You could consume from the creation, right? And other people could consume from the creation. Because then most people never look, where are you consuming from up here? You're consuming from somewhere Then you can there. inspire. Exactly. And that's where where you you never die. Exactly. Because when you is. inspire and you push something out to the world, you live forever. Because your words and, and, and your inspiration are radiates in the universe even long after you're gone. Yep. And that's... Uh, Look that's cool. To, look forward to seeing your book, man. Like I know a book's coming. <laughs> One day, so, I need. A, I have a lot more work to do before I get to a book. I still don't feel like I'm anywhere near anything, even close to good. Not even great. Uh, I feel like I have so much more to do and so much work to do on. But definitely one day. Nice. All right. So final question here. Yep. Right. This is my favorite one. Let's imagine tomorrow morning you wake up. Right. When you wake up. You don't remember anything. You are an absolute blank slate, right? You don't remember mm -hmm. the 12 years of grinding. You don't remember the lessons that your mom taught you. You don't remember the books you've read. You don't remember the connections. You don't remember anything. Now, when you wake up, you aren't scared. It's not like a Saw movie, right? So you're not freaking out or anything. You're in a calm place. You know you're good. Yeah. But you're just blank. However, as you start to kind of come to, there is this thought, right? There's a little seed in your mind. And for whatever reason, you accept this thought as truth, right? You don't question it. You just take it. You run with it. You adopt it, right? And this is the foundation for everything else to come. What would you want that first thought to be? What would you want that seed to be? Wow. What a, what a question. Wow. There, there's so much things racing through my brain right now. <laughs> think like I'm thinking about it and my mind always like jumps back to to the first thing and it's like the first thought would be like be grateful and thankful and never stop hustling so it's like always be grateful always be thankful and never stop working and I would feel like that first thought because I feel like a lot of people will say like hustle and work hard and this and that but I feel like that's so relevant compared to being grateful and thankful because it's like when you're happy and life is good here when life is good here doesn't have to be good here doesn't have to be good here or here when life is good here everything is good you just see the world differently so be grateful and thankful and never stop hustling Man, I like that. By the way, when people stop to think about the answer, it's like literally like one of my favorite things. Like I actually watch people and see like who takes time to think about their answer. I've had some people spit answers back out at me, and they're good answers. But I've had a few people that stop 
and take a good 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds to really think of an answer. I could have took longer than that, but I was, I was like, <laughs> we're out of time, Crunch. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I want to answer this correctly. And I just let my mind race and it would keep just like grateful, thankful, grateful, thankful. And then it would be like another thing and another thing and another thing. And I'm like, no, it's there's a reason why. It's like my intuition. Yeah. You know, and that's a, that's right there, the foundation, right? Because if you have that, whatever you decide to regrow, whatever you decide to If you to have build, that and the hustle become, in you, exactly, then it's like you're hustling for fun and you're happy with any situation, but you're still out there getting it, trying to achieve it. And it's like you're always happy. So, like, you're good inside and you can be good on the outside. Yep. Freaking love that. So, David, I mean... People are going to be listening to this forever. They are going to be, like, <laughs> falling in love. They're like, yo, this dude is freaking sick. Like I, like, I have no idea who he was before this, but, like, I need to follow him. I need to get in touch with him. I need to, like, find him. How do they find you? Where do they go? Well, uh, first of all, thank you so much, man. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, a few different platforms. Uh, one of my platforms is Instagram, and you can find me over there. Uh, David Pretty Boy. Uh, the reason for the name is actually super funny. It's when I was a kid, that's exactly what I was, and uh, I no longer think of myself as that, and I just keep it there to keep me grounded. Um, then you can find me on TikTok if you want to see some funny real estate uh, bits. It's uh, David Avgi, just my name, D A V I D A V G I. Um, and then if you want to check out really like the grind work, the financial uh, education, uh, uh, what I do, you can check out my YouTube channel, which is also David Avki and go subscribe, check it out and let me know what you guys think. And don't be, don't be afraid to put out constructive criticism. I love to take it and let me know what else you guys want to see because I'm here creating content for your watch because I cringe watching my videos. So I realized that like this videos are genuinely for the public. So whatever you guys are interested in, that's what I'm here to make. Um, otherwise that, I hate seeing myself out. Yo, <laughs> I can't crazy it. Because it's so freaking pretty. Man. I don't think that I, I hate, I cringe all the time. But uh, yeah. yeah. And that, that's awesome, man. Like seriously guys. So it's like the, all of that is going to be in the description below. Like I'll have links to be able to get over to David's profile. It is seriously a treat to watch. Like your Instagram is awesome. Like cool content. The TikTok is funny. And I was actually on your YouTube, like watching your vlogs and it's like, it's well put together. It shows the real, like you're not hiding anything. And it captures your true energy, man. Like, you've got this awesome bubbly energy. Thank you. Man, <laughs> like, which is freaking amazing. Appreciate it, so, man. So, guys, go check out David. You know, if you appreciate anything that you heard here on the podcast today, make sure you drop it in the comments, tag him on Instagram, find him on TikTok, let him know, let us know, because ultimately, if it's helping you, it can help someone else, and we want to share the message. Push that along. We want to push it out there. We don't do this for us. It's purely to help other people. And a quick message, guys. Don't don't uh -oh. Uh -oh. start loving yourself start accepting yourself start appreciating yourself and start creating goals and putting out good energy out there and helping one another out because when you do that your life will change and I can't stress this enough if I can leave you one message do good for others love yourself accept yourself don't be too hard on yourself but always make goals and you will watch your life change in an instant. I swear. I promise you guys. David, yo, thank you so much for coming on.
Love you, man. Dude, Thank you for having you. me. Okay, guys, so I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Once again, I ask that if you receive any value at all, I mean anything, if one thing stood out to you, leave a comment below. Let people know what that thing was. Let us know what it was. We do read all of the comments and absolutely share this with a friend. That is how we help each other, okay? The best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow. Send that out to your friends. Help them grow. Build your network and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe, make sure you're here for the next episode. And remember that the greatness is already inside of you.